and welcome to the inaugural episode of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to set up Twilight Imperium. We're your hosts, Andy, Cassidy, and Crystal. All right, so on this week's episode, we're going to be discussing all things convention. We are heading into convention season, which is very exciting. Uh, are you guys going to any conventions soon? I am. I'm actually going to one next weekend, Memorial Day. Um, it's called KublaCon, and I live pretty close to KublaCon, so it's in Burlingame, California, and um, I go every year, so that's pretty fun. I'll be hitting up Origins like I have every year for the last 10 years. Oh, and we're so jealous of you that you live <laughs> close to there and are able to do that. I live 15 minutes from there. Wow. Yeah, and I'm also going to some later. Um, I'm going to Dice Tower Con and BGG Con, but those are both uh, pretty far away from where I live, so those are big vacations for me. Awesome. And if I remember correctly, uh, uh, unfortunately, none of us are making it to Gen Con this year. Yep. Not this year. <laughs> I've never been. Well, we might just have to do a Gen Cant episode then for all of those <laughs> other poor souls out there who aren't also going to be attending. That's a great idea. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about some games that we've been playing recently. This is a board game podcast. Let's talk about some board games. Uh, so, Ambi, what have you been playing recently? Um, so I played a game last week. It's called Ghost Blitz, and I figured I should talk about that since the title has Blitz in it. Um, I see. You're, you're pandering to <laughs> the, the two of us by going with the name. I see how it yeah. goes. All right. <laughs> and I figure people who are listening right now just like the name Blitz. So, um. You know, Blitz is a fun word. <laughs> yeah. So the the game's actually a pretty short game. We learned it and played it all in like 10 minutes. Um, it's a, a speed game. So there are five different items that each have a different color. So th- I think there's a blue book, a red chair, a green bottle of wine, a white ghost, and a gray mouse. Um, and then there's a deck of cards. And the cards have pictures of two things that, like... For instance, it would have a picture of a green ghost and a red book or something, or like a blue book and a white bottle. And so the cards either have an item that matches one of the items or don't have anything item or color that match. So you have to be the fastest person to pick up the item that either matches or doesn't match. And um, so if the card is the blue book and a white bottle, then you pick up the blue book. But if you pick up the wrong thing, then you have to give your card away to whoever gets it right. And so it's it's weird it's hard cuz it's difficult to switch between thinking about the items that match and the items that don't match because each card is different and you don't know what it's going to be. So sometimes we were just like staring at an item or at a card for like 10 seconds before anyone made a move. And other times we'd get it like right away. So very fun. That sounds really cool. I'll have to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Um do you know is that one uh do you know when that one came out? Uh, I don't know. It, it was at a friend's house, and he just brought it out because we needed to leave in 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Let me see. It looks like it came out 2010. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's in print. <laughs> it seems like a lot of those filler-type games, they either tend to blow up crazy huge or kind of fly under the radar, but yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, well, a game that I was just introduced to fairly recently um, is Medieval Academy. 
Uh, it was originally uh, released in 2014 by Blue Cocker Games and then was reprinted or re-released in 2015 by both Blue Cocker and Yellow. Um, I'm a big fan of Yellow Games. You guys will probably hear me talk about them a lot just because for whatever reason they tend to be stuff that I'm, I really dig. Usually stuff that's a little bit shorter, fairly simple, but with some strategic depth. And this game is exactly that. Um, two to five players, playing time of around an hour can be less, depending on the player count. Um, it's a simple dr- card drafting game. Um, six rounds. Every player is a squire training to be a knight. And um, you draft cards from six different suits with numbers ranging from two to five. Um, and those cards, when you play them, will allow you to progress on different tracks related to your squire's training. Things like wooing the princess, or killing the dragon, or donating money to the poor. Um, and then each round, some of the tracks will score. Um, some of them don't score every round. And uh, then in some rounds, they some of the tracks will reset. In some of them, they continue building till the very end of the game. Um, and you're attempting to earn victory points or to not lose victory points uh, in the case of some of the tracks. And after six rounds, whoever has the most points wins. Uh, this is one of those games that, when it was described to me and when I describe it, sounds really simple and boring. <laughs> and it is surprisingly fun. Like, I was kind of blown away by how much fun this game is. And I think it's simple enough that you could teach it to just about anyone. But it's also got a lot of strategy. And I think it's also a good way to teach people card drafting. Um, like, I usually... Sushi Go is usually my go-to for card drafting if I want to teach someone who is not familiar with that mechanic. But I actually think this game could fit in that realm as well. So... Uh, yeah, that's Medieval Academy by Yellow, one of my new favorites, and I just added it to my collection. Yeah, we have Medieval Academy too, and it's a very good uh, game for people who don't normally game. And like so far, everyone that we've introduced it to has liked it. Okay, I guess I will talk about um, what I have been playing recently, which I've been introducing a lot of um, non-gamers, like family and some friends from different friend circles, to some. Uh, more modern video game or not video games whoa wrong podcast <laughs> um some more modern board games <laughs> and the first one that um i'll talk about is carcassonne which i'm sure many of our listeners are very familiar with um but i like to use this as an introduction game just because it's draw a tile play a tile and there's really not much explanation outside of that except for what you're getting your points for and I like watching them as they try to like build these massive cities and then they like realize close to the end of the game that oh shit I'm not going to get this city finished. What do I do now? <laughs> so I've been doing that and we've also been playing a lot of uh, Forbidden Island because I found that the cooperative mechanic seems to work well with new players because they get to not play against some more... Uh, more seasoned players, but they actually get to play with them and learn from them as they play. I That's a good point. I think when it comes to introducing non-gamers to modern board games, cooperative games are great because you, you aren't necessarily screwing yourself over by helping them. Like, 
I've introduced competitive games to people before, and it sometimes feels weird to tell them the right strategy because you're essentially helping them beat you. Although I lose games a lot, so technically that's not out of the realm of normality for me. I'm always teaching people how to beat me when we play games. (laughs) Always. I, I definitely do not enjoy being taught a game by someone who withholds information specifically so they can win. Like, that's that's not fun. No, absolutely. I explain the shit out of Farms and Carcassonne because that's how I always win the game. And I don't want people to feel like I haven't given them enough information about how those score points at the end and only at the end of the game. And I think that means that you are a decent person. You, you, you get a high, a virtual high five for that. All right. So um, since this episode is kind of centered on conventions, we also wanted to discuss um, gaming at conventions. And obviously, if you're heading to a board game convention, you probably plan on doing some gaming. But uh, I don't know what you guys think, but it seems like people kind of run the gamut as to what types of games they're looking to play when they go to a convention. Yeah, so when I go to a convention, I play all types of games. Um, So the conventions I've been to, like Dice Tower Con, is basically their open gaming is amazing. They have a really great library, and you can just play any game you want to, pretty much. Um, So, But conventions are good for playing with a lot of people or with um, a lot of time. So both games that require a lot of people, like Werewolf or uh, Mafia, and I personally like The Resistance, Um, those are good convention games, I think. Also, Two Rooms and a Boom might be good. Two Rooms and a Boom sort of blew up because (laughs) of conventions. Yeah, Yeah, as long as there's space, there's two rooms of space. Or one very large room. (laughs) Right. Go in the corner. But yeah, um... And then the other thing is, like, scheduling long games that take all day, like Twilight Imperium or other games. X-Wing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely. Like, I had some friends, um, when we had MeepleCon here in March, um, they specifically scheduled a time to play Twilight Imperium on one day, and then they brought out a Food Chain Magnate on a different day, which that one, it seems like I have not played it myself, but once you know the rules, it isn't necessarily quite as bad, but they were learning it for the first time, so it took them a little bit to get into it, but it seemed like they really liked it. I played Food Chain Magnet, um, like, last month or something. Uh, we only played the beginner one, and it only took a couple of hours because we like we didn't do the choosing the next round of money or something. So I think it could be a variable amount of time depending on what people choose. Okay. Because the way the, the second round works is you choose like to put an X amount of money into the bank, and when the bank runs out, that's when the game end, ends. So each person puts like between one and three hundred dollars I think into the bank and then so that can make the game either short or long and you won't know until you're in the middle of it right interesting that's very interesting that might make me not want to play it sometimes <laughs> if I especially if I have something I can imagine someone getting tired and being like just like pleading with the person next to them just like please please put a small amount in <laughs> Yeah, like, that would kind of throw, like, make me not want to play, like, not knowing how long the game will take until halfway through. Yeah, I think, I think, Which, no. 
I guess that does then definitely lend itself to a convention scenario when most people have at least blocked out a full day, if not more, to gaming. Yeah, if you do that, like, first thing and you don't have anything else scheduled, then then you have the time to be able to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, and, like, I know quick games tend to be good for conventions because you're often hopping from event mm-hmm. to event, and sometimes you need a little something just to, to fill in the time. Or you're waiting in line for over an hour to get into your next event because you want a good seat. <laughs> That's a good point. Waiting in line games, do you have a uh, any particular favorites for that? Um, the first waiting in line game I ever got was Zombie Dice because I was waiting in lines the first year of PAX East and we just sat there and sat there and sat there and eventually I was like, hey, random people sitting around me, I have some dice, let's throw them. That's awesome. Well, and Zombie Dice is great because technically there's no actual restriction on the player count of you as long as you can pass the dice to somebody they can play right yep so we usually do that and i think we did timeline one year for the waiting in line game last year i had a i was waiting in line for the flea market and someone had a copy of rolling japan um that's a another dice game where you have like six different colors of dice i think and when you roll them you have to fill in numbers on your board of that's a map of Japan and there's certain rules like you can't have the numbers next to each other either have to be the same or like an adjacent number and then you get negative points for not filling in your territories but um so she had a a copy that her friend had made I think so it was like whiteboard markers and a laminated sheet and so we could just play in line and roll the dice in the box so that was fun that's pretty cool. Yeah, those uh, those quick dice rolling games where you're yeah. writing on paper seem to have kind of blown up over the past couple of years. I know my gaming group weirdly became obsessed with quicks for a while, which, I mean, quicks is fun, but it's kind of a glorified Yahtzee. <laughs> like, it really isn't that <laughs> in-depth, but it is a lot of fun. And yeah, like, almost everyone in my gaming group owns a copy of it now. So, on each episode of the podcast, uh, we are going to be discussing a board game accessory that either you can't live without, or you shouldn't live without, or that we just happen to like a whole lot. And uh, when it comes to conventions, it seems like the board game accessory of choice is a gaming bag, or a way to transport your games from place A to place B. Um, and I know that there are a lot of opinions on the internet about how you should be transporting your games. And uh, there's even a few Kickstarters recently that are dealing with that very problem. So, ladies, how do you transport your games when you're headed to a convention? So I um, I don't really buy bags. So I have a bunch of tote bags that I've gotten, like from the library or from other conventions. They give out tote bags. Uh, so I use those for my board games. And I also use a backpack sometimes because the backpack can hold small games and it also holds my water and my snacks which are pretty important when I'm at a convention all day. (laughs) Are you anything like me where I'll realize that I've been sitting somewhere for five hours and haven't even taken a sip of water (laughs) because... No I I pretty much like take a sip of water every five minutes or something. (laughs) You're you're smarter than I am. Which means I go to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> right. But at least at conventions, the uh, women's lines are generally shorter. That's true. That is an excellent <laughs> point. Uh, 
That is one one benefit for sure. Uh, Cassidy, what do you use to uh, transport your games? I have a big rectangular beach bag that allows me to um, hold up to eight games. And the reason I like it is because I hate transporting my games um, vertically. I don't like things falling out of the place it's supposed to be in in the box, so I like to be able to lay everything flat. I know that's a super faux pas for a lot of uh, gamers, but I like the not having to dig through the bottom of a game box to find whatever the last piece is that I've lost or whatever. So I use a big old beach bag that allows me to lay everything in flat and I can transport yeah, 8 to 10 games depending on the size of the game. And I actually take along with me what I call a uh, gaming emergency kit that houses lots of random things like pens and paper and extra dice and um, a flip coin for turn order and things like that. That's really smart. Pretty good, yeah. <laughs> good idea. But you know, we can talk about it as another accessory at <laughs> some <laughs> other point. <laughs> Definitely. Like, things to add to your game bag that are not games, per chance, could be another episode. <laughs> um, I, I, I've been weird. Like, I'm not super uh, anal about my games in general. Like, I don't sleeve cards and... Uh, things like that, but I, I've i continued to change up what bags I'm carrying my games in. Um, I've used everything from a tote bag to an Ikea bag, which I know those are popular. And the Ikea bag is great, but it's just not very pretty. And for some reason, I guess when I'm going to a convention, like I'd kind of like something a little nicer looking. So um, I bought a a rectangular shaped bag off Amazon and it's good, but it's not just a little bit too narrow to fit the standard ticket to ride size boxes. So I found it's not super helpful. Um, so I recently bit the bullet and backed the game canopy bag on Kickstarter, which is far more expensive than a game bag should be, but holy cow, it looks pretty. That's a really uh that's a really girl answer there. <laughs> it is and it's weird because I'm not super girly. Like my purse is probably from Kohl's or like JC Penney. <laughs> it is not name brand. Like I, I guess I care more about the look of my bag for my board games than for my personal stuff. <laughs> well your board games are your personal stuff too. <laughs> you know, yeah. really yeah, who cares about my wallet and my keys? <laughs> the the board games are really the important yes. thing here. But I have not chosen what color of the game canopy I'm going to get. They did unlock a bunch of new colors during the stretch goals of the campaign. Um, and I, I'm leaning toward either the uh, purple, I think it's called Imperial Purple, uh, or the Electric Lime, only because the Electric Lime is like a super neon green, and I feel like it'll be very cool and stand out. Like it probably will not be something that you're going to see very often. You would but... never lose it. <laughs> Maybe I can create a poll on our guild and get our eventually two yes. listeners to weigh in on <laughs> such a decision. When do you need to decide by? I'm not sure. I don't know when they're going to send those surveys out. The As of the date of this recording, which is uh, May 21st, I'm not sure when we'll release this episode, but um, they the campaign just ended a day or two mm-hmm. ago. Um, so I can't imagine that those surveys are going to go out right away, but they might soon. 
um, if they're going to start production. So we'll see. I, uh, if we do get some listeners, maybe I'll ask you guys for feedback on what color you, bag you think I should get. If I'm going to spend that much money on a game bag, I should definitely get a color I like. <laughs> And now for our next segment, since I, Crystal, am a bit of a word nerd, uh, I'm actually going to take a look at the etymology of a word or phrase related to board gaming during each episode. Um, Because we are all gearing up for convention season, I thought this week I'd look at the origins of the word convention itself. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm going to pronounce some of these words wrong. Feel free to send us many angry emails regarding my butchering of ancient and not-so-ancient languages. Uh, While I enjoy the study of etymology, I am no expert. So uh, the word convention, as we use it today, originated in the early 15th century when it meant a formal agreement or a formal meeting or coming together. Uh, Convention came from a Middle French word of the same spelling, which itself originated from the Latin word conventionem, or conventio, meaning meeting, assembly, or covenant. Uh, it's a past participle stem of convenir, which also led to the word convene. So yeah, like convention and convene obviously are very related and they came from the same places. Um, and so that's where convention came from. If uh, any of our listeners that don't exist yet, but will at some point, uh, if you have a board game related term that you'd like to get to know a little bit better, like you'd let me to, like me to do a little bit of research, uh, send us a message on Facebook or Twitter or send an email to boardgameblitz at gmail.com and I'd be happy to fulfill any requests. Um, you know, it's stuff that you can nerd out with while you're waiting for your AP-prone friend to make their move, and everyone will look at you like you're a huge nerd, but it'll be lots of fun. So just a little more information for you about board games. Continuing our theme of conventions, we thought we'd give you some tips and tricks on how to make the most out of any conventions you're going to. So for me, I've only gone to a couple of conventions before, Dice Tower Con and Kublai Con, and in both of these, I made my priority playing games and new games that I haven't played before. Um, so to do that, uh, definitely take advantage of a gaming library that they have. Check out games, because they'll have games that you don't own and you've never played before, and there will be plenty of people there that want to play games with you. So play games with anyone and everyone that you want to. So um, for my experiences at both Gen Con and Origin, the few takeaways that I've always um, had after the first few conventions were drink plenty of water, try not to shake too many hands because con play gives a thing. You got to do the uh, the Rodney Smith thing, the uh, the fist bump. He uh, He's a big, or no, it's not uh, Rodney Smith, it's Rado. Rado's the one that does that. He, yep, uh, yep. Only fist bumps. I mean, you could probably wash your hands often, too. You should wash your hands often and (laughs) also take hand sanitizer. Um, As far as gaming, if you're planning on demoing a lot of new titles, know in advance what you want to demo. Know where they are in the convention hall. Don't be upset if they're slammed and you can't get a table. I tried to get a demo of Five Tribes before it was released, and every time I walked by, it was slammed. There was no chance of me getting in unless I wanted to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, which was not going to happen. So um, if you want to do events, make sure you schedule those in advance and plan ahead for those. All the bigger cons will have lists of their um, events and things that they're running 
uh, well in advance of the actual convention. So I guess my biggest tip is just be prepared, know what you want to do. Um, but also be like flexible. So, because things change, sometimes you run into somebody that you didn't expect to run into and you might end up doing something else or going to dinner when you didn't expect to go to dinner and you might miss that one panel about girls in gaming that you really didn't want to miss. <laughs> and for the record, they're all the same. <laughs> so if you've been to one, you've been to all of the girls in gaming's panels. <laughs> It is it is definitely nice to see that those panels are becoming more prevalent, even if they the content isn't necessarily changing too much. Did you see the thing about um, Gen Con? I think it's like fifty two percent of their presenters are women this year. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they have a list of its. Um, I don't remember what they're called exactly, like the featured presenters, and there's twenty five total, and thirteen of them are women. Yep, it is definitely cool to see more women in gaming. Uh, kind of getting a little bit more of the spotlight. Um, obviously, there are tons of wonderful male designers and reviewers and everything else, but it is it is cool to see more ladies stepping up and taking a bigger role in the board game industry. Absolutely. All right, folks, and that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Uh, make sure to visit our website, boardgameblitz.com. Uh, shoot us an email with any suggestions for future episodes at boardgameblitz at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bgblitz. On Twitter at bgameblitz. And visit our Board Game Geek Guild by searching for Board Game Blitz or via our guild number 2581. Holy crap, that was a lot of information in a very short amount of time. You know what? Scratch all that. Just go to our website, boardgameblitz.com. There will be links to all of our social media stuff there. Um, feel free to email us with any suggestions you might have. Obviously, this being a new podcast, we are open to suggestions. We are willing to mess with the formula a little bit. Um, basically, we are just three ladies who want to talk about board games and have a little bit of fun doing it and we hope that you guys will enjoy it as well so until next time get your game on uh taglines are up for discussion as well please feel free to send us an email if you have a better idea (laughs) please (laughs) so uh stay blitzy (laughs) that's not a thing that's not a real thing um ladies how do you uh transport your bags when you're going to a convention did i say transport your bags hold on did i say transport your bags you did Uh, (laughs) hold on i'm gonna back up and say that again uh it's a past participle stem of convenir which also led to the word convene Hi, Boomer. Aw, Cassidy's dog wanted to join in on the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. Who doesn't love corgis? Like, really? Like, the the dogs should be part of the show. <laughs>